was awesome. Well, good morning, church. Man, it is great to be here with all of you today. What, a, what an amazing morning to come and worship an awesome God and celebrate life change through his son, Jesus Christ. Good morning to all of you who are joining us online this morning. We hope that you are doing well. We wish you were here. Hopefully you'll come check us out on a Sunday morning next couple of weeks. If you are new with us, I just want to throw this out there. Welcome. Welcome to Vertical Church. Uh, we love the fact that you are here. We love the fact that you decided to come and hang with us on a Sunday morning. We hope that you are feel welcome. We hope we made you feel wanted. And we hope that you'll come back and you're willing to come back and hang with us at another Sunday. I say this all the time as we pursue a relationship, what it looks like to live a life with Jesus Christ. Um, Gang, gang, open your Bibles. We're going to jump in this new series this morning. Open your Bibles to 1 John chapter 1. We're starting at verse 5 this morning. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. Um, I just want to point out, we worship this morning. I hope you're already planning. Mark your calendars. Cut off your afternoon, evening to come and hang with us at Vertical Celebration tonight as we continue to worship our awesome God. Um, okay, so the three of you who clapped, you're going to be here. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, there's four. I'm, here we, I'm auctioning off awesomeness in God. Just come get it. Um, listen, it's going to be a great night, and I hope that you'll, you'll join us and you want to be here and just, to, just listen to hear what God's been doing and what he's planning to do in the future. Um, today we jump into a series, Counterfeit Christian. Uh, as we walk through this series, well, through, we're going to be walking through the book of First John. But as we do this, we're going to be sharing, we're launching another church reading plan. Uh, we're going to be walking through the book of John. Uh, so we'll be using the YouVersion app or the Bible app that we have. It's free. Uh, you can download it. That's where you start from there. But uh, what I love about this is we walk through the book of John because the book of John is all Jesus. Man, it has sold out what Jesus has done. As we, so as we walk through the book of 1 John and hear how Jesus has called us to live, I thought it would be absolutely awesome for us to walk through the book of John to hear exactly what Jesus has done to give us that life to walk with him, right? So that's what we're going to be doing. You'll see that this afternoon posted on our Facebook page, a link to jump in and read through the book of John together as a church. We did it a couple weeks ago, a month ago or so, and it was awesome to see all your comments and see what God's showing you. So I encourage you to jump in. Just want to throw this out there for all of you who want to be like first timers. You want to get into this. Only 150 people have actually signed up. So if you're in... Get in, right, if you want it, right? So that's where we're going. Um, counterfeit Christian. The next several weeks, we're going to be challenging our lives with this one question. Are you a counterfeit Christian or are you the real deal? Are you a counterfeit Christian or are you a real deal? Now, I understand this question sounds harsh. It may sound a little rough, but the answer to this question is huge. Not for our only, not only for our lives, but the lives of all those who are around us who don't believe in an awesome God, who don't believe salvation through Jesus Christ. Am I rich? Am I a counterfeit Christian? Or am I the real deal? It's one of the avenues I do when I'm preparing for a series and studying and praying and, and, and getting into it, these messages, I like to read about what's going on around us in the world. We like to read what's going on around in the church. I like to read to see what's going on, how it directly impacts what we're going to be starting and what are we going to be learning together. And a few weeks ago, I read an article that just absolutely drove me crazy. 
It was an article, uh, it filled me with absolutely three emotions. It, the article I was reading, it deeply brought me to a deep, deep saddened spot in my heart. It absolutely infuriated me as I was reading it. That, but then it came to this, this, this motion made that sound real to you, it inspired me. So not only was I sad, I was mad, but it inspired me for, to do something. And so I'm going to share just a few excerpts from this article. You already see one on the screen. This was written in the Western Journal. It says this, the American church has fallen. Shocking polls show fake Christianity has supplanted a biblical worldview. How does that make you feel, church? American church has fallen. The author goes on and says this, thanks to cultural corrosion and the lack of biblical literacy, a new fake Christianity is now being preached within the American church. Ouch. And the third one is by George Barna, right? He's the one who does all these studies and statistics on churches. And he says, Christianity in our nation is rotting from the inside out. I would call it fake Christianity because it has some Christian elements in it. But it's not really biblical. It's not really Christian. I mean, come on. Now, again, I read these things, and I'm fueled by three emotions. One, I am saddened. I am saddened because this is the way the church is looked at. The bride of Christ is looked as it was tainted by culture. And that turns me into fear. I'm just angry inside. That we're, being, we're sucked in by culture all around us. Our nation and the society is looking at this. Like they, the people who don't have a relationship with Jesus is looking inside the church and they look outside the church and say, like, hey, there's no really diff- no big difference. And to see that it's been tainted by culture or to hear that it's being tainted by culture crushes me. So after I relaxed, because <laughs> I'm in my office, are you kidding me? Then I got to the point of inspiration. I came inspired because I believe that we as a church can be a part of turning this around. Amen. Now, if you're thinking, Rich, come on, you're thinking way too big. Come on, whoa, how big is our God? Yeah. All right? If you're not even want to think about the nation, what about our own community? Yeah. What about our own county? I believe this church can be a part of turning things around back to the church being solid in its biblical kingdom roots. And that will not only impact our lives, it will impact all the lives that God brings around us and to us. Church, that article should scare us. It should sadden us. It should infuriate us but it should inspire us. Now, just understand what a counterfeit Christian, I don't believe that most Christians intentionally set out to be counterfeits. I don't. I don't believe that we just wake up one morning like, hey, I'm just gonna go live in a certain way and forget all this Jesus stuff. I don't believe that. What I do believe is I believe two things. One, either they, we have been given a counterfeit Jesus 
Not the one in scripture, but the one that the world's making up. Or two, we have radically drifted from the life that Jesus called us to live if we call ourselves as disciples of Christ. And a counterfeit Christian is very, very simple. You can just see it in the name. Counterfeit Christian is counter Christ. There's things in our lives that live counter how Christ has called us to live. And it's my hope that through this series that we will not feel attacked. That no one in this room or watching online will feel attacked. But it's my hope and goal to inspire you, church, to walk with me, to walk with you through this as a church and embrace this real deal life and Jesus so we can be the church that turns things around for kingdom purposes, not our own. Now we're gonna do this by walking through the book of 1 John. And 1 John, I love the book of 1 John. John is one of Jesus' closest comrades. He lived, walked, and ate, and served, and ministered with Jesus for three years. He went on, he went writing to, and John's writing to a group of Christians at this point who are being led astray in their walk with Jesus, right? Their lives are no longer lived like this light gift of new life in Jesus they had received. And as we walk through this book, as we walk through this series, the book of John is going to be like a mirror for us. We're going to, we're going to look and we're going to have a reflection of is this is what our life looks like. You know, we may not like what we see in the mirror, but it's still the reality. I look in the mirror and every morning I'm like, dude, you got to change some stuff. Well, I don't have that kind of money. But when you look in our spiritual mirror, dude, you got to change some stuff. I don't need money. I just need Jesus. So 1 John chapter 1, starting in verse 5, check this out on the screen or in your Bibles that you have in your hand. So this is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie. And we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. God is light. That means God is the source of life. God is the fullness of life. And John is not only revealing, right, the very nature of God, but he also, at the same time, he's revealing our, our relationship, or possible relationship with him. That we are either in light and truth, or we're in darkness and lies. This gives us great imagery that you and I can understand, because we all understand what it feels like to be in the dark. Right? Because in the dark, anything can happen. In the dark, we can do what we want. In the dark, some people don't see the real us. In the darkness, we can go where we want to go, act like we want to act, be who we want to be. In the dark, we have no idea what light is. In the dark, we can look at things we shouldn't. In the dark, we can say things we shouldn't. 
in the dark. We can act and be however we want. Because the darkness shields what we're doing, how we're living from the rest of the world. But when a light is shining on us, when a light exposes, it reveals truly what's taking place in our life. There's a reason the scripture says your, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Yeah. Right? Because it reveals, it shows everything. When we're in the light, all the wrinkles, all the gray hair, all the pudgy parts, right? It's all there. You can't hide it. And that's the same thing when it comes to our spiritual walk with Jesus. We can hide, we can get big and cover and get all sorts of dark and no one can see the real us. If we can stand in the light with Jesus and say, this is who we truly are. This is what I really am, God, for you already know this, but I'm just being real to myself. Jesus talks about this. He talks about this in, the, in, the, in John chapter 3. You're rereading it this week. He says in verse 19, it says, this is the verdict. The light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. Everyone who hates, who does evil hates the light. And when I come into light, for the fear of their deeds will be exposed. We don't want to go into the light because we don't want to see what's truly going on in our life. But whoever lives in the truth comes into the light. I love this. So that they may seem plainly... What they have done has been done in the sight of God. We're just being real and we're showing God, this is what we understand, this is what our lives truly look like. But unfortunately, there are so many who call themselves a follower of Jesus, but they still love to walk around in the dark. When I say I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm standing next to someone who doesn't give a rip about Jesus and our lives look very, very similar, my friends, that's a problem. This may sound harsh, but I'm included in this. If that is my life and that is your life, that is the lives and that lives we live in this world, it would be better for you and I not to tell anyone that we're followers of Jesus. It would be better for us to tell us, hey, we're not a Christian. No. Why? Because we're showing them a fake Jesus. We're showing them a counterfeit Jesus. We're not showing them the real thing. We're not showing them the real deal. In fact, it does more harm than good. You know, many years ago, God brought this, into my, this truth into my life. 
I was new in my faith walk with Jesus. I'd surrendered in my life to Jesus just a few years prior to this point. I had no idea what it meant to really live and walk in this journey with Jesus in my life. I had no idea. And then one night, some friends, my high school boys, gave me a call and said, yo, we're back in town, we're going out, you want to hang? And I'm like, yeah, let's do this. So where are we going to go? They said, O'Malley's. So I was like, I'll meet you there, what time? And I was just talking to Steph the other day, she said that she believes this was some kind of mini class reunion, we'd do anything to get together. So I showed up at this O'Malley's to hang out with my friends. Man, it was so much fun. We're, we're talking, find out what's going on in each other's lives. And then we started ordering drinks and we're playing pool. And it was awesome. But the drinks kept on coming. And then the shots were ordered. You can tell where this is going, right? About an hour later, two hours later, several hours later, I found myself sitting on a bar stool, blasted. And I was spouting out to my friends about my Jesus. About how he changes everything. You need to know my Jesus, guys. And they're looking at me. And how he changed my life, I'm telling them. And I'm thinking, really, Rich? He really, what did he change in your life? You're telling them about me, and you're sitting at this bar stool. You're drunk as a skunk. It's telling them, and you're still slurring your words, that he hasn't changed anything about you. You are a counterfeit. I woke up the next morning, and I was crushed. As God revealed what a joke I was the night before. Oh, I was a witness, but it wasn't for Jesus, it was for the world. And then when I still think back, when I was comparing, praying through this and writing about this and sharing this story with you, man, it still tears me up inside because I could think back and my friends and how much they were just laughing at me and thinking that my Jesus was a joke. Because I was a counterfeit. I wasn't telling them anything good. That's what I'm talking about. The stories, the things in our lives that we want no one to know. That's being in darkness. And Jesus says, I have set you free. Walk in the light. Verse 8, he keeps on going. John keeps on punching at us. He says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 9, if we confess... If we confess our sins, he who, Jesus, is faithful and just, and he'll forgive us our sins, and he'll purify us from all unrighteousness. And if we claim to be without sin, we make him God to be a liar, and his word is not in us. As we're battling through this series and walking through of understanding my counterfeit on the real deal, one of the very first things we need to understand is counterfeits, yeah, they conceal their sin. Counterfeits conceal their sin. Christians, 
you deal with your sin. Kind of if it's suppressed their sin, Christians confess their sin. This is the crutch of this morning's message, man. If you don't get anything else of what I say about this today, and you're just tuning me out, you're falling asleep, you're looking through Facebook, whatever it be, there's a clear indication, I want you to hear this. There's a clear indication how one person or individual deals with their sin as to where they stand with God. If we claim to be without sin, we're deceiving ourselves. We're lying to ourselves. And at the same time, we're calling God a liar. I don't know about you, but that's not a place that I want to be. I don't want to look up and say, hey, God, you're awesome, but you're a liar. I don't want to do that. And sin is very simple. Take this book and overlay it on your life. And when God says don't and you do, that's a sin. When God says do and you don't, that's a sin. And like it or not, friends, I may not be your friends after I say this, every single one of us in this room is a sinner. Romans 3.23 says there's no difference. All of us have fallen short and sin. All of us. Every single one of us. We lash out at others. We treat people unfairly. We do things we shouldn't. We see things we shouldn't. We say things we shouldn't. Every single one of us. But instead of dealing with it, we try to hide it. We cover it up. We don't act like it's a big deal. The difference between light and life and darkness and death is what we do with our sin. When we choose to live or recognize that we're living out God's design in Jesus Christ, what do we do with it? Do we shove it under the rug? Do we pretend it doesn't exist? Do we pretend it's no big deal? Or we're willing to open it up, expose it to the light, and deal with the sin how God has called us to deal with it and just confess it. See, that's the beauty of the grace in Jesus. He says, if you confess, he will forgive, right? So when it comes to forgiveness, the grace in Jesus Christ, forgiveness eats sin for breakfast every time. Every time. It doesn't compare, nothing compares to the forgiveness and grace through Jesus Christ when it comes to our sin. We confess, he forgives. Bottom line, friends. And I think sometimes we go through life in this world thinking it won't happen. We're afraid to talk to God about the sin in our life because we don't think he's going to forgive us or we don't feel like he should forgive us. He says you will. He says he's faithful. And he's just God. And he will forgive. All we need to do is confess. You know, in the Old Testament, there's a, there's a pretty amazing story that walks clearly through this illustration of the problem of unconfessed sin in our lives. It's found in the book of Joshua. Now, Joshua uh, was, took over from Moses, and he kind of leading God's people into the promised land, the Israelites in the promised land. And he was a man of war. Joshua came out against an army, according to Scripture, and it says it was significantly smaller than, than his. 
And in fact, it says just a few men he was going against. So Joshua said, listen, I'll take 3,000 of my guys and I'm going to go against this army. And so they went out to battle and this few men wiped him out. And he went back and said to God, God, what's up? You said there's just a few. You said that we we're going to have victory. But we went out, there were just a few guys and, and they just took care of us. They handed us our shorts and said, go back home, little boys. Why is that? And he goes, was there sin? There's sin in your camp. What? See, what he didn't realize, there was a guy named Achan. In a previous battle, God said, just leave everything. Don't take anything. Achan is like, oh, look at these devoted items. I'm going to take these for myself. God says, no, he did it anyways. And he brought it with him and he hid him under his tent. And there was sin in the camp. And God says, I can't bless that. I can't bless you because people in your camp, people, my people, are doing what I told them not to do. So they did this casting the lots and trying to figure out where it was coming from. Once they realized what it was coming from, they took care of the problem. And guess what? God gave them victory. All right. That's a long time ago. Let's just maybe bring it back to the more relevant times of ours. Take it back to a moment where you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. Your personal life surrendered to him. When you came before God, you confessed, you said, God, I'm sorry for living for myself. I'm sorry for choosing for myself, trying to be all about myself. And you confessed your sins before God. And God, who is an awesome God, is faithful and just, right? He forgave you. He opened up his arms. He opened up his kingdom. He gave us his Holy Spirit. And he says, you are my child. But for some of us, that's where we leave it. We confess our sins and we get out of hell and have this amazing relationship with God. But that's where we leave it. We move forward in life, never coming back to that truth of that moment, that point. We don't honestly deal with the sin of our lives. We don't truthfully deal with the sin of our lives. We don't biblically deal with the sin in our lives. And we wonder. We wonder why we're not moving forward in life. And we wonder why we're, why God, we're not growing spiritually. Why am I stuck? Why does my relationship with God feel dry? Why do I feel like God's not even around? Why do I feel like God's not even listening? Why? 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 And it can be very simple. There's sin in your camp. That you need to confess to God and to others and make it right. Because that's what the real deal Christian does. There's so much power of sin in our lives that we don't recognize. There's so much power when it comes to sin. We don't realize what it does in our relationship with God. I mean, at one point, we were completely separated from God because of our sin, right? We don't believe that the sin, we don't recognize that it's separating us from him. He's like, okay, I can't hear you. You got to deal with something. We don't realize what sin in our lives does with the relationships with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We don't realize that sin in our lives is a barrier from what God wants to do in our lives. We don't realize that the power of sin in our lives is just a barrier from what God really wants from us and wants to do from us. We don't realize the power of sin has on us. 
Let me see if I can just make this clear for you. And get an understanding of the power of sin in your life and what it does. If we truly understood the dangers of having a lion in our bed, we would never pull the covers back and invite him in. If we truly understood the dangers of having a lion in our bed, we would never pull the covers back and invite him in. If we truly understood the dangers of having sin in our lives, unconfessed sin, we would never pull the covers back and invite it to come in and spend the night, would we? That's what God's talking about. Counterfeits conceal. Christians deal with the sin in their lives. Get the sin out of our camp and watch God bless your socks off. He wants to work in your life. He desires to work in your life. But just like me, I'm guessing everyone in this room has an area that God's like, right there. Deal with it. And the depth of his sin reveals the width of his forgiveness. The depth of my sin reveals the width of his forgiveness. Look at chapter 2, verses 1, 1, 2, and 3. It says, My dear children, I write this to you that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, and his name is Jesus Christ, and he is the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice, the atoning, the covering. His blood is poured out to cover over our sin. He sacrificed his life for our sins, not for only our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. Until we clearly understand what our sin cost, we may never take it serious enough to make the changes in our lives that need to be made. My sin took a life. My sin put a man on the cross. My sin pierced the hands of an innocent person. My sin caused blood to be shed. My sin put a crown of thorns driven on his head. My sin, my sin, my sin. I love Jesus. I've given my life to him to serve and live for him. And to come to the point where I can understand that my choices in life in my past, and my present, and my future. Put my Lord on the cross. Rocks me. Counterfeits conceal Christians deal. And my prayer is this morning, if you're in this room, if you're watching online, and you said yes to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then maybe that your eyes are being opened up. And your hearts are being broken, just like mine is this morning, thinking about what my life. 
And that we be as a church to stand before this world as a real deal and be honest before each other and come before God this morning and open the floodgates, floodgates of confession. You know, Psalm 103.10 says, He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. For as far as east is from the west, so as far as he removed our transgressions from us. So what are we going to do? How do we respond? See, God's not surprised. Our sin did not catch him off guard. He just desires for us to see what we're doing and face it like the people he saved us to be. I know John Newton, the, the author of Amazing Grace, is quoted on his deathbed as saying, although my memory is fading, I remember two things. I am a great sinner and Christ is a great savior. church we sang about a revival to get out of the darkness come into the light we sang that this morning and if we really want that revival for our country for our community there needs to be revival here and that revival means we need to start leaning into Jesus and dealing with the sin of our lives just how he's called us to deal with it that simple start here have the revival in your own hearts of Jesus man I've messed up I know I have talk to him converse with your Lord admit what you have done and let him set your path straight this morning we're going to be taking communion together what an opportunity. What an opportunity for us to remember. What an opportunity for us to look towards our Lord. And I would just say this morning, if you have yet to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'd ask you not to take it. Because you can't remember what if you have embraced yet yourself. And that would be your first step this morning is realizing that you're a sinner and you're separated from God. And maybe this morning we take a moment of silence as you making a right with him surrendering your life. You know, Paul writes about this in 1 Corinthians. He says, when we do this in remembrance of me, we're going to take, we're going to take communion together. And he goes through this, what I received from the Lord, I pass on to you and the Lord Jesus the night he was betrayed, took the bread. I'm going to give you thanks. He broke and he said, this is my body, which is remembrance of you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so what he was, Jesus was saying is in the upper room, we're going to talk about this tonight when we're together for our celebration. I've done this for you. Remember it. See that, like the cracker we take, it's just a cracker. Bad tasting cracker, if I'm being honest. But what it represents, who it points to, is Christ. That he broke his body so we can have life. And after dinner, Jesus did the same thing. He picked a cup. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant. 
covenant of my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So when you come up and you take the bread and then you take the juice, the juice represents Jesus shed blood for our sins. That he looked at humanity and said, listen, I love them so much. I'm going to pay the price. They deserve death. I'm going to take the death on me. What an opportunity to remember. Maybe to shift our perspective back to our Lord. But there's a couple verses that almost never gets read during we take communion. And I want to say this. It says, verse 27, whatever then, whoever eats the bread and drinks a cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. So I'm going to give you time. I'm going to be silent. Now it's time for you to have a conversation with him. Is there anything that you're hiding? Is there anything you're harboring? Is there anything you're unwilling to give up? Talk to him. Have a conversation with him. Pray to him. Surrender to him. And when you're done, come up and take communion. Come on up, take it, go grab a seat and pray some more. When everybody's done, I'll come back and we'll pray.
scripture says, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. As a church, we are waiting for our Lord to come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. But until that day, let's be a church that comes before him honestly and openly, confessing our sins so God can use us to impact the world. Right now, I'm going to invite their prayer team to come forward. If you're part of that, come forward right now, please. And we're going to pray. We're going to close out service. And there's something in you that needs, like we, I need to be prayed for, something you need to share. Come up and be prayed for. We want to pray into your life. We want to pray over your life. We believe prayer is powerful and effective. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for so much in our lives. We praise you today. We lift your name up on high. We do pray for a revival in our own community. We do pray for the fake Christianity to be just shoved out of the churches. We do pray with boldness that you use us to be a light in a dark world. But it starts with a revival of our own hearts. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrificial death on the cross for my sin. May we never take it lightly. May we stand with great confidence of what you have done for us. May we live with great joy for what you have sacrificed for us. May we walk with kingdom purposes because of what you have done for the whole world. We love you. We worship you. In your son's name I pray. Amen. Church, have a blessed day. We'll see you soon.